I bring you greetings this morning from Shenandoah. It is good to be here again this morning. And I debated doing this, but before I get into the message this morning, I'll just give a brief update on Shenandoah and our school there. School is started well on its way now and thankful for each one that is plugging in there and making school work. And I feel like the reason I debated mentioning this is the last number of times I've come here, I've, I've felt like I came here and almost begged for teachers. And again, this year, we are shorter staff than what we would like to be. And Dale's wife, Connie, and their daughter, Holly, are helping out with school again. Not necessarily something they applied for, but seem to get that position by default when we can't find the staff that we would like. So as one of the school board members, it doesn't feel really good to me when someone's taking that position because we have no one else to fill that position. They are doing well with it and, it and it works, but we are still in need of an elementary teacher to assist Joel. And the way it worked last term is we started with Connie helping to teach and then Joel Hurst came along and did an excellent job and she's doing an excellent job again this year, but with the school growing, there is a, another need for someone to work with her and assist her in the elementary grades. So I say all that, whether you're here this morning and would have interest in teaching or you know of anyone that might have interest, feel free to get the word out. The one time as after I shared it here, I got word from someone that I believe the following Monday, so I'm hoping the next time I come here to share a message, I don't have to beg again for a teacher. <laughs> so, will that be someone here? I would, I would just put it out there again. On August 26th, 2001, just over two weeks ago, there were two suicide bombers that were part of an ISIS group in Afghanistan that killed 13 U.S. service members along with at least 90 Afghans, a tragedy that happened, probably something that you all heard about. The reason I share that this morning is I want to share what President Joe Biden, what he said in response to that tragedy, and these are his words. He said, we will not forgive, we will not forget, we will hunt you down and make you pay. Now, I don't know if you've heard him say that, or I don't know how you feel when, if you've heard him say that, how he, how he felt to you. But in the kingdoms of the world, they fight back. If someone does harm to one country, they can expect retaliation. That's how the kingdoms of this world work. I, you harm me, you look out, I'm going to come back. And we really, that shouldn't surprise us. That's just how the, the kingdoms of this world operate. And over the past year or two, there has been a uh, dramatic, or dramatic increase in gun sales. Probably not new news to you, but I've read that upward, like 80% increase in gun sales. Many people that never that had never owned guns before or even really never thought about owning guns before decided you know what they they better buy a gun you know for protection 
And there were several factors that played into it. The coronavirus pandemic and things going on there, the unrest, people felt insecure and they felt more safe with a gun on their side or a gun under their pillow or at least a gun in the, their home. It brought a level of safety to them. Another reason they bought guns was because of the uh, social unrest and with the death of George Floyd last summer. And along with the, the election last year, a very tense election, those were all factors that played into the increase in gun sales. How did you respond? I hope none of you, if you bought a gun in the past year, bought one for self-protection against people. And for many in the world, they buy guns for so that they feel safer. And in, the, in God's kingdom, we should not respond the same way. And I trust that you did not respond the same way. In God's kingdom, we are to use a different weapon on our enemies than what the world uses. We should not agree with Joe Biden that we're going to hunt down and make our enemies pay. We should have a different response towards our enemies. So what is that weapon that we should use on our enemies? I'll just open it up very briefly. What weapon should we use for our enemies? Love, yes. The title of the message this morning is Love, Our Most Powerful Enemy Weapon. I don't know how many of you read or typically read the uh, KMF newsletters, but in the January-February newsletter of this year, there was a very interesting article titled Guns or Frying Pans. And I am curious, raise your hand if you read that story. Seeing some hands go up, the majority of you looks like you haven't maybe. I debated doing this. I shared this message last Sunday at Shenandoah, and it's a fairly long story, but it's a very powerful story, and it ties in well to the message where I want to go this morning. And I'm going to take the time to read this story now, and it's a true story. It starts like this. Young man, you put that gun down, Louise commanded firmly as Riley burst into her into her home, pushing her husband Nathan ahead of him at gunpoint. Young man, I'm a Christian lady and don't believe in violence, she continued. You put that gun down right here. Son, you must be starving. Now how do you want your eggs? Several days earlier, on February 18, 1984, Riley, along with five others, had escaped from the Fort Pillow Correctional Facility in West Tennessee where he was serving a 25-year prison sentence for second-degree murder. He was cooled, wet, desperate, and lonely as he stumbled onto the home of Nathan and Louise, a God-fearing couple in their 70s who were active members of the Mount Sinai Primitive Baptist Church. The entire community was on edge because of the escaped convicts. Louise was on the phone with a, with a friend of hers about this very subject when Riley and Nathan burst into the house. She simply said, well, they're here now, and hung up. <laughs> I haven't eaten in three days, Riley growled as he cooperatively laid his gun by the sofa. 
Louise quickly whipped out her trusty frying pan and soon the smell of African-American soul food, frying bacon, eggs, toast, and coffee filled the small house. Louise set out her best napkins and sent Nathan to bring Riley a pair of dry socks. Louise began asking about his family. Riley mentioned that Louise reminded him of his grandmother who had recently died. I have no one who cares anything about me. No one cares if I live or die, Riley lamented. Young man, I love you and God loves you. God loves all of us, every one of us, especially you. Jesus died for you because he loves you so much. Louise assured him as she patted his leg and a tear ran down his cheek. As Nathan, Louise, and Riley sat down to eat their breakfast, Louise took Riley by the hand and thanked God for the food and that Riley was safe. She asked Riley if he had anything to say to God. Undeterred by his disinterest, she coached Riley through a simple prayer. Jesus wept. As they ate, the elderly couple implored him to give him up to give himself up to the authorities. In Louise's own words, I went to giving him Bible, Louise told Riley. When we do wrong, we have to be punished. Unknown to Riley, Louise's friend, whom she was talking with at the beginning of the confrontation, had, no, had notified the police. As the threesome enjoyed their breakfast, they heard the sirens in the distance. The police will kill me, I know it, wailed Riley. No, I won't let them. You do what is right, and I won't let them hurt you, Louise assured him. Soon the yard, filled with police cars and with officers crouched behind their car doors with their guns drawn, fully expecting a criminal to burst out of the door, shooting for his freedom. Instead, they were met by a 73-year-old grandmother with her hand on her hips. Y'all put those guns away. I don't allow no violence here. You put those guns down. This fellow is going to give himself up, but he needs to finish his breakfast first. The police reluctantly agreed, but remained wary. Several moments later, Riley stepped out onto the porch with his hands above his head, Nathan and Louise on either side with their, with their arms around him. He was arrested without incident and taken back to Fort Pillow Prison. Newspaper headlines highlighted how this woman, with her Bible and frying pan, did what the law enforcement in West Tennessee was unable to do. Less than 12 hours later, Paul Winrow, a 59-year-old local tire dealer as well as a church elder, was grilling steaks on his patio. He had also heard about the convicts being on the lam, and he had taken precaution of always carrying his pistol on his belt. Ronald, James, who along with Riley had held a family hostage two days before. They came bursting out of the bushes behind his house. This is to Paul while he's growing here. Paul gets his gun and fires two shots, neither which struck the convicts before they fatally shot him. Underscoring Jesus' words, they that take the sword will perish with the sword. The pair then burst into the house, took took Paul's wife, Elizabeth, hostage and forced her to drive them several hours to East Tennessee, where they left her at an interstate rest area and fled. She could not cope with the memories of her husband's murder and her kidnapping and had to leave her home. She moved to a new location to bury the trauma. While Riley went back to prison, he did not drop out of Nathan and Louise's life. Louise asked for a picture of Riley, which she put in their family album. The police asked them to press charges against Riley. 
But the couple refused. Because the boy didn't do anything to us, they didn't want any charges pressed. So Riley still received an additional 20 years added to his sentence for escaping for his involvement with an earlier kidnapping. Louise continued to visit him in prison and wrote letters, although her arthritis made writing, made writing leg legibly difficult. Unfortunately, Riley did not respond to the gospel immediately. Four years after his initial escape, he attempted to escape from prison again. While he was not successful in this attempt, he was sent to solitary confinement for a time. And while he was alone for 23 hours a day, he began to think seriously about the claims that God had on his life. He remembered especially the testimony of Louise, and he realized that this was what Christianity looked like in real life. Louise continued to write letters in which she encouraged him, I believe in you. Trust God to work in your life. Be patient. Study your Bible and look for the good in everybody. Riley said the lack of fear that Louise showed him convinced him to become a Christian in 1988. She, Louise, was real Christianity. No fear, Riley said. When Louise prayed with Riley on a visit to the prison, she began her prayer by saying, God, this is your child. You know me, and I know you. Riley knew that that was the relationship he wanted with God. Nathan and Louise worked to get Riley released from the prison, which finally happened in 1995. Riley moved to Nashville, got a job, and began to build a life instead of destroying it. Louise died in August 1998. Among the crowd of 300 mourners at Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church was Riley, who was serving as a pallbearer. He also spoke to the crowd. This woman was a real Christian. No fear. It was through her light, through her, that I turned my life around. He reassured the family that he was staying out of trouble. It's not just a jailhouse religion like some guys get it. It does stick with some people. To me, it is how much you really seek after God while you're in there, he said. By this time, he was working as a foreman at the Crown and Tent and Awning Company. He was living in Nashville with his wife and young son. He was truly a life redeemed. What will be your weapon of choice, gun or frying pans? Are you willing to beat your guns into frying pans? Just a powerful story of enemy love. And I want to talk about that this morning. None of us maybe had the same, have the same story as Louise did in showing love to enemies. And we could probably open it up and you could probably share stories where you were tested in how you would treat your enemies. And I've been tested to certain degrees, but never to that extreme. And just a powerful story of Louise heaping coals of fire on her enemy and her enemy in return finding God's love. And what I really want to drive home this morning is that I want us to use the weapon of love on our enemies so that they have an opportunity to experience God's love. You see, Paul in that story, he had the gun by his side and when the enemies came after him, he struck or he fired trying to kill his enemies, but in return he was the one that was killed. And Louise showed love and in return Riley experienced God's love. Today, there are many churches that have 
designated people in the back of the church in case an enemy comes in the church and opens fire, they have designated people to take down the enemy by, by shooting. And I understand why they do that. They want to protect the innocent. And that part makes sense to me, but I believe it is contrary to what God's word teaches us and how we are to respond to our enemies. So I have three points I want to look at for the message this morning. And the first one is instruction for enemy love. And I'm simply, that's going to be a fairly short one. I'm going to look at what the Bible says about enemy love. And then the second point, attaining enemy love. How is it possible for us to actually love our enemies from our heart? And then the third one, applying enemy love. How does that look like? How do we actually flesh this out? You can turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. There's many passages in the New Testament where Jesus teaches us and even Paul instructs us how to love our enemies. But I want to look at some verses in the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing various topics and saying, you have heard that it's been said, but now I say unto you, he's saying, this is what the Old Testament said, but now Jesus was raising the standard and saying, this is now how I want you to live. In the Old Testament, they were allowed to re- uh, return, uh, retaliate and fight back against their enemies. But Jesus in the New Testament is teaching us to have a different response. I'll start reading here at verse 38 in Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to notice, especially verse 44, very specifically, Jesus teaches us how to respond to our enemies. Verse 38, you have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain, or go with him two miles. Give to him that asketh of thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans or do not even the sinners do the same? Verse 47, And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do as well? Verse 48, Be therefore perfect, as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. I listened to Leon's message last Sunday, and I know he talked about love as well. And in 1 John chapter 3, we are to love one another. And I'd like to build on his message from that as well. We are all called to have a deep love for each other, but that love is also supposed to extend much more than just within, but also to reach even our enemies. Back to verse 44 in the text that I read, there's four very simple 
yet difficult command. The first one, in response to our enemies, we are to love. Secondly, we are to bless. We are to do good. And we are to pray for our enemies. Now, that's a completely different response than what our president said we're going to do as a country to those suicide bombers. Again, I, I understand that. It's the kingdoms of the world versus the, the, uh, heaven, the ones that are part of a heavenly kingdom. There is a distinct difference. And this passage goes on to say that we're not supposed to just love those who are nice to us. It is very easy to be kind and to be loving and to bless and to do good and to pray for those who are kind and loving to us. But Jesus said, even the sinners know how to do that. Like our world gets that. They understand that. Uh, or That's easy for even them to do. But our love is supposed to go beyond that and to love those who are not loving to us. There was a time in my life where I, I really wrestled with this because I was talking to people that would believe it is right. There is a, there's a time to kill, as the Old Testament says, and there's a time to love. And I was having difficulty wrestling through that. You know, how do we... I mean, God used war in the Old Testament, and David was a man of God, and yet he went to war. How do we justify some of that? But I believe we've got to see the difference between the uh, Old Testament versus the New Testament and Jesus' teachings. One thing that was very helpful for me during the time of wrestling through that, I talked, this goes back actually quite a few years, probably about 14 years or so. I remember talking to Lester and sharing with him some of what I was wrestling with, and Dean Taylor, probably not an unfamiliar name to many of you, he was actually scheduled to share his testimony at Fairview Church in Reading, and Lester and Marion took Londa and I to listen to Dean Taylor share his testimony. That was very helpful for me, hearing Dean Taylor, and I've since enjoyed listening to a lot of his uh, talks. There's a lot of them online. But Dean Taylor was one where him and his wife were both in the army, and they did not grow up Anabaptist, but they did not have TV where they were stationed, I believe, in, was it Germany? So they were reading the Bible, and they were, they were Christians, but they believed it was right to go to war and to, to fight their enemies. And they're reading through the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, they're wrestling with these questions. Well, how am I loving my enemy, and yet I'm here to kill my enemy? It didn't make sense to them, and long story short, but they are now, uh, yeah, they left the army, and he has a, a powerful testimony. Another passage I'd like to look at quickly, you can turn to Luke chapter 6. There's a parallel account to Matthew 5 here. Luke chapter 6, so I talked briefly about, very briefly about the commands in Scripture. We could look at many more, but just very simple. We're to love, we're to bless, we're to do good, and we're to pray for our enemies. Very easy to understand and yet hard to really do that, at least for my own life. So how is it possible for us to attain that enemy love? And that brings us to the second point. I would like to look at, in Luke 6, I'll read verses 35 and 36. 
Jesus said, but love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind to the, unto the unthankful and to the evil. Verse 36, but be, there, be therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. So just as God has given us mercy and shown us mercy, we are to show others mercy, and that includes even our enemies. So under attaining enemy love, in the second point, <clears throat> another verse in Ephesians chapter 2 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. What I'm trying to get at as God's is God's great mercy. God is rich in mercy towards every one of us. Even while we were living in sin, God was merciful to us. And I think it does each one of us good. And it's very important for each one of us to realize how merciful God is to me, a sinner. God has extended his mercy to me. Therefore, I am an extension and need to show mercy to others around me. Recently, I've listened to Pablo Yoder share stories from his life in Nicaragua. And I'd encourage you to, if you haven't, listen to some of his stories on enemy love. You can go online. If, I think if you would just Google strength to strength, I think you could find it. And under there, Pablo shares, it's a two-part series where Pablo talks about showing enemy love, returning love to their enemies. And he went through times similar to what Louise went through, where his life, actually quite a few times, he didn't know if he was going to live through the times where enemies were coming after him. Him and his wife, they've experienced, I believe, at least 40 robberies. Sometimes very dangerous robberies that lasted for hours where they were held hostage and held at gunpoint. But they showed love to their enemies. Powerful, powerful stories. I don't think your eyes will be dry if you listen to some of those stories and the power of enemy love. And I want to share a little bit of his, some of his experiences along with the message this morning. What I want to share about attaining enemy love is somewhat he shared, and he talked about God's love. The Bible talks about God's love is so great. We can't measure God's love. God's love is, is never-ending. And God, in his love and in his mercy, reached down to us and gave us life. He gave us a second chance. And he was saying, we are, in a sense, like what plumbing is to water. So you have a pipe and you have water running through it and it can break down into uh, some other lines where several pipes go out carrying water. And I like to think of it, and I used the whiteboard at Shenandoah, but I don't have one here this morning, is thinking about God's great love and us being channels of his love or maybe us being like a, a pipe where God's love is flowing through us but that is also to continue out of us. And when God's love is pouring into our life, it's not just going to stay there, but it's gonna, we're going to overflow with God's love. Pablo also talked about if you would take a stone and throw it out into a lake, this, as the stone hits that water, what happens? 
ripples go out. We've all seen it. They ripple, ripple after ripple keeps going out further and further. And Pablo talked about how that's, as God's love penetrates our hearts, it makes a big splash and ripples go out. And I'd like to think about those ripples. So those ripples, as God's love is entering my life, I can therefore love others. So I love my family, I, or I love my wife, I love my children, I love my church family. I love my coworkers or my employer. Like, love just flows out of us, but extends even to our enemies. It reaches out to everybody, not just those who are loving to us. So unless we experience God's love, we will never be able to attain true enemy love. This is a supernatural love, an agape love, as Jesus Christ has for us. We are, if you think about a sheepfold, and the, Jesus talked about the sheep and the 99 sheep that were safely in a fold, and there was one that was missing, the shepherd went out looking for that lost sheep. In a sense, everyone who's experienced God's love, or I shouldn't say in a sense, we are, if we've experienced God's love, we are in that sheepfold. If God's love has penetrated our hearts, but when there's that one sheep that's out there and missing, what did the shepherd do? He went out and he searched and he searched until he found that lost sheep. He cared greatly for that lost sheep. And I'd like to think about that for our enemies. So our enemies are those lost sheep many times. Many times in Pablo's case and Louise's case, Riley had not experienced Christ. And if Louise or if, if they would have taken the gun on Riley and ended his life right there, he would have never had an opportunity to experience God's love. And we are extensions of God's love when, we, when those ripples go out and reach our enemies with love as well, rather than trying to take our enemy's life. It should be our desire to bring our enemies or to allow our enemies to experience that mercy that God has shown us. And that is, I believe, the biggest reason why we should show enemy love, so that they can experience God's love. Pablo also shared a story of a time where they were being robbed. And the one time when the thieves were there, they asked, this was, I believe they were at one of their friend's homes at the time when this robbery took place. And the man's wife, where they were, they were asking if they could have the Bible there. It was this man's wife's Bible. They were not trying to steal the Bible. They were asking if they could have the Bible. And sure, you may have the Bible. They found it's kind of interesting that a robber or a thief is asking for a Bible. But sure, they let him have the Bible. And a powerful testimony, that man, I think later was put in jail for, I think he had gotten caught for some of the things he was doing, and he started reading the Bible and experienced God's love in prison. And there were others in that prison that were experiencing Christ as well, and just a beautiful story of not everything, it doesn't always turn out that way, but how he actually experienced God's love penetrating his heart where he loved those around him, and they too experienced God's love. Moving into the third point yet, applying enemy love. 
what does it look like for us to love our enemies? Some of these stories might sound kind of far out there, maybe something that we've never really experienced. But again, I'm going to come back to the four simple commands that Jesus gave us in the Sermon on the Mount. We are to love them, to bless them, do good to them, and to pray for them. So four commands that we are to, and how we are to apply enemy love. Also in Romans 12, verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. It is not... It is not our place to bring judgment on our enemies. That is, that is God, something God will take care of in his time. But we are to respond with love instead of revenge. Speaking about applying enemy love, I'm going to go back again to, the, to Louise and what she did. So she fed Riley, gave him breakfast, and Pablo shared that many times when robbers would come, sometimes they were there for most of the night, and they would, what they would often want is money. And Pablo and his family kept very little money, if, if any, in their house. But sometimes they would just demand a large sum of money and would threaten them, threaten their lives if they did not give money. So this would last for hours, and Pablo would plead with, with the thieves to, to not take their lives and... He would preach to them. They would give gifts to them. They would make coffee for them. Pablo shared about one time he made coffee three times for the enemies. This, this was a long robbery. He said the third time they would keep asking for it to be blacker and blacker, the, the coffee. He said the third time it was so black you could have almost cut it with a knife. It was like everybody was tired. But they continued to show love. And there was one man that had actually told them prior to his coming that he's going to come on this date and he wants, I think he gave an amount that, of money that he wants available when he comes. And if it's not, if they don't have it, it's, it's not going to be pretty. And he came and they realized he was armed. And Pablo felt God nudging him to give this man a hug. And it didn't happen immediately, but powerful story as well. Till the night was over, Pablo was able, they were able to embrace, and he gave him a hug, and I think that thief shook the hands of all the people that were in that home, and that's easy for me to think, or to hear that, and just like, wow, God is at work, you know, if we show love, it's going to go well, but it's not always the case, sometimes it doesn't go that smoothly, and sometimes there is life taken, even while showing enemy love. But it's still, I believe, the way Jesus teaches us to respond, to love no matter what the cost may be. Again, thinking back to the enemy is the one outside the fold, and we are in the fold. So it is not, I'm not in any place to take someone else's life. Last spring, my neighbor had either text me or called me and wondered if we'd seen any suspicious activity during the, the previous night. I uh, hadn't noticed anything, but he said early in the morning there was someone knocking on his back door and 
I think he had called the police then and he's seen some people going and then in the morning he went out and seen tire tracks between our yard and our neighbor's yard going back into the woods, which was rather bizarre. And I was out there working in the shop that morning and I seen this vehicle drive up the side road and people really looking back in the woods and I could see they were really nervous about something and a man jumped out and he's carrying something, looked like a metal crowbar of some type with him and he walks right back in the woods. I really didn't know what's going on. So I called the neighbor again to let him know what I had seen going on. And meanwhile, the neighbor right up the road, a different neighbor, he seen the activity. He comes down into the, or I was, he came down through looking and I just stepped out to talk to him. And he came in the shop and we were talking there and he's like, well, he's going to go up and, or he wondered if I have any guns in the shop. I said, well, no, I don't. He's like, he's going to go home and get a shotgun. He said, he'll get a gun for me as well and we can go back there and try to surround this. Well, I said, no, I said, I'm not going to carry a gun. I said, I'm a Christian, and I said, I, I, that's something I believe Jesus te- teaches, or Jesus teaches us to love our enemies, and I said, I would sooner, if, if that man is armed, I'd sooner have him take my life than me take his life. He said, well, yeah, I'm a Christian too, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a mentality a lot of people have is to protect and to fight back rather than get harmed. Later that, well, I'll finish that story a little bit. It turned out that somehow they must have been drunk or high, whoever was driving the car back in the woods, and he got the car hung up on a stump back in the woods. No one was harmed. The police came, and the people eventually left. But that night, our neighbor, some of the neighbors I seen, I think we had church that evening, we were leaving to go to church. I seen the neighbors talking there, and I, I, don't, I can only imagine what some of the discussion was. Uh, regarding, you know, carrying guns and not carrying guns. But that's just a little experience I had, and I don't know what some of your experiences have been, but Jesus' teachings are very clear in showing enemy love. And I believe we would all agree that the direction that this nation is heading, where things are going, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a peaceful way. We all wonder what the future holds, and there might be some times where showing enemy love hits home very close to some of us. We don't know what those times are going to be like and how that, how close home that may come. Something else that Pablo shared that I thought was very powerful, there was a time where people could give questions to, or ask questions to Pablo, and one question was given about, you know, how do we prepare to show enemy love. And Pablo said, don't plan all the details exactly how you're going to respond. He's like, I've tried it and it doesn't work. But rather, he said, get down on your knees and determine in your heart that you will love your enemy and that you will never use violence. And Pablo went on to share, if that is set in your heart, he's like, it will work. And I don't know, you've probably been asked sometimes, maybe by others that would argue that you should protect and that you should carry a gun in the case something may happen. You know, what would you do if someone broke into your home and, you know, maybe some hypothetical questions you may have been asked. I don't have all the answers to that. But I, I would think if something like that could happen and if my family is being harmed, I don't personally feel like it's wrong to 
to use some, um, to, to, to uh, stand in the way of evil or to rise against, but I do not in any way want to inflict harm or violence on an enemy, but rather to, to love. So it, it does take wisdom in these areas, and I, yeah, I personally don't feel like using restraint is always wrong, but our goal should be to show love rather than violence. One thing that we've talked about in Shenandoah, you know, what would we do if someone entered the church building where there was something that looked really suspicious? What are we going to do as a church body? What's our, what's our plan? And we decided that we're going to have a song that we're just going to start singing. And that song is, we've got the power, in, or there is power in the blood. That's something that as a congregation we would just start singing. And I believe it should first our first response should be to, in a sense, just cry out to God because there is, there is power in the blood and there is the greatest weapon that we can use on our enemies, I believe, is love. But Pablo also said, if we're going to stand the test of loving our enemies in the difficult times or in the extreme cases, he said it's going to have to start in the small things. He said if we can't show love to those near us, we're going to struggle to show love to, in the, again, in the more extreme cases. He said, it, back to the ripple effect of loving our spouse and our children and our clo- lo- those closest to us. He said, if it, when they offend us, if we respond with anger, or if those, offend, or those close to us offend us and we kind of just resent them instead of forgiving them and instead of loving them, He's like, you probably won't stand the test in greater things. So it does start with small things. What happens when, how do I respond, or how do you respond when you're wronged by someone close to you, a coworker, or someone from your local church where you might be offended by something that's said? What is your response? Do you show love, or do you respond with retaliation? So, in conclusion, what is the most powerful weapon you can use on your enemies? Again, I'm going to come back and say it is love. Love is the most powerful weapon. And Pablo went on to share that if he would have came back with violence, very unlikely that he would still be living today. In those cases, those, those robbers that would come to him, multiple cases, those robbers later got killed by others. They would fight over things, and when two sides have weapons and they're both pulled, it usually ends in bloodshed. But love is the greater weapon. So how can we love our enemies? Well, first, we must attain it. God's love must be in our hearts. It must penetrate our hearts and flow out of our hearts if we want to apply enemy love. Again, I want us to use the weapon of love so that, we have an oppor- so that they have an opportunity to experience God's love. How beautiful would it be, as in, this, in the case of some of these stories that I've shared, when enemies come against you and they see God's love flowing out of your life, they get a taste of what God's love is like, 
and for them to be able to experience God's love on a personal level and be drawn to in our relationship with him, how beautiful that would be. And that, I believe, is very possible today. But it will not happen when we retaliate instead of love. One thing I thought was powerful as well, uh, Pablo talked about for a time he was counting the amount of times that they were robbed. And these robberies, again, were very dramatic, not something that you would easily forget. At one point, he noted that there were 15 robberies and they had 15 church members. He just noticed that God was at work even through these difficulties. But God later convicted him just to, to let it go and stop counting all the times they're being robbed. Sometime later, I, it was probably, I'm sure it was a long time later, his, Pablo's son came to him and said, Dad, we've been robbed 40 times and we have 40 church members. It's like, wow, just God, God at work again. And again, that powerful verse, or the powerful words of Jesus, those who take the sword will die with the sword, and how often that holds true. Those who are going to fight back often lose their lives. But love is what works. Love is the most powerful enemy weapon. Let's choose love for all those around us. Even let love reach our enemies. Thank you for your attention. I'll have, why don't we stand for prayer after the prayer? You, you'll lead a song. You consider yourselves dismissed after the prayer, after the song. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning, and I thank you that it is possible that we can love even those who do not show love to us. I thank you for your clear teachings in Scripture where You've told us to, to love, to bless, to do good, and to pray for our enemies. Lord, help us to apply that in whatever form it may be in each one of our lives. Help us to be creative in these areas, whether it's something small that we're going through or something big that we're going through. Help us to Show mercy to those who do not show mercy to us because we realize that we are undeserving of your mercy, yet you've shown us mercy, you've shown us love. Help us to be channels of your love so that even our enemies can experience your love and that they can experience living a life for you. Just pray that you would be with us as we go from here. Help us to faithfully serve you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.